I like the fact that God gives givers gifts to give. And when it comes to an organization like Convoy at Hope, it really allows our hands to be extended certainly a lot farther than we normally be. So just know that anytime a disaster happens and you want to give to actually uh, really help support the effort of rebuilding and, uh, and helping lives, whether it's through food or literally building homes, you can always put Convoy of Hope on your tithe envelope or if you give online, you can put it there as well. Take your Bibles open to Mark chapter 8. As we're in this series uh, called Jesus Meets, and the series Connect uh, is simply Jesus meets and ministers at the speed of life. And if there's ever a time where the church needs to uh, really be the hands and feet of Jesus extended, it's today. We live in a post-Christian society, and the idea of just going to church doesn't actually come to the minds of men. I don't know that it ever came to the minds of men who were living in darkness, but as uh, this week I've... I watched just a little bit here and there of the, the March Madness tournament, and one particular team caught my attention uh, just because of uh, they were you know, picked to finish last in the, uh, the Big 12, and they end up making it to the Sweet 16, and that's Kansas State University. But what really caught my attention was the post-press conference of the coach of Kansas State University. It's really a short clip, but I want you to watch this clip because it really illustrates how Jesus meets and ministers. I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for this opportunity for me to give me the many blessings that he's placed on my life. And, you know, I, I know my profession is coaching, but uh, my calling and my passion is ministry. And I love being able to spend time around these young men and, and just help them to grow up, to grow and become great husbands who are going to be great fathers and leaders in their community. And uh, it's just so much fun to do it through the game of basketball. And so this is the. That is ministering at the speed of life. And I think we've not done a good job in church leadership of making the distinction between your profession and your calling. Or we've made the calling to be expressed in nothing but the four walls. I know this room has more, more than four walls, but four walls of a church. The platform that the Lord has given you may, may be your profession. For some of you that are getting ready to retire, that'll change a little bit. Uh, but, but we have this platform, and the platform is intended to share Jesus Christ. And sometimes that's just leading young men into and toward a much better life than they came from. So do you think of a distinction between your profession and your calling? Because when you understand the difference, then you can start making a difference. I know there are a good percentage of people that come to Christ, all they want to do and all they ever think about is just getting into heaven. And so when you hear messages like Jesus meets, you're like, well, that just doesn't help me today because all I'm trying to do is hunker down and get into heaven. Let me tell you something. That is a low bar, and that's not anything close to the expectation that Jesus has for your life. But when you begin to understand that you've been given, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever that number is, been given that to actually make a difference, and as we would say around here, Ignite change. And so as we look today, we're going to move into Mark chapter 8. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to look at just a few verses in 22 through 26, but we're going to take a step back and look at a little bit bigger picture of Mark as we go along. But let's start in verse 22. 
says, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Let me stop there just for a minute. This to me just tells a little bit about the man. I just can't imagine a person who's never seen before, someone who's born blind to have an idea what a tree was like. And so we get a little bit of a picture that this man, at some point in his life, saw enough to know and be able to describe and have an idea of what a tree was like. And then Jesus laid his hands on him, or his legs on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent, to his, sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the story has a, a big component of people who care, Bringing, bringing someone to one who ultimately cares. There was a belief that was expressed in some form of action. They had a belief that Jesus could and a belief that Jesus would. And I think sometimes we get confused or we get lost in between the belief and the trust. Clarissa got on a plane this morning to fly to Florida and I know every statistical uh, analysis says that planes are the absolute safest way to fly. And you can believe that planes are the absolute safest way to fly, but that doesn't mean you're going to get on one. Because you also have to believe in the pilot's ability to fly them. But once you have that, it's expressed in an action. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that action. But the other thing about this story that has a real personal component for me is this is absolutely the story of my father when I was just a little rich. Because my dad, when I was about, I don't know, eight or nine years old, he went blind. My dad was, my dad uh, only went through the eighth grade. He moved out of his house when he was 13 years old. And he began a life, and the Lord had his favor on him, and he, 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 ran, uh, operate, he was an operating engineer where he ran all sorts of equipment from a backhoe to a big belly dump to the high cranes, and then he led companies where they did anything from high-rises to roads to parks, all sorts of different things. But in the midst of raising his family of four, he loses his sight. And my mom would lead him around. He, he got headaches that were so bad. And what took place is that in the back of his eyes, all of his nerve endings died. And this is very much the characteristic of my dad. He had a belief in and a belief that Jesus would heal. He recognized that my mom did not work outside the home and that if he didn't go to work, he wouldn't have a way to support the family. So my dad did what a lot of 90-year-olds do. They got, he got in his car and drove blind. And as he began to drive, the Lord opened his sight just a little bit. And he went to work. And as he got to work, they were doing this 
a parking lot, I don't know if it was for a Walmart or a mall, and he was running a grader. And my dad really is incredibly good when it comes to being able to understand grades and understand the, the flow of water and how that's... So he said to the guy, and you won't necessarily know this term, it's called stake hop. And if you're a stake hop, you ran next to the road grader, and every time the road grader would come across a stake, you'd take your shovel and you'd cleave him around the stake. And so they, they would know how much higher or lower the grade would have. And he would just say, hey, you got to go up six inches. And, and literally with only 20% sight, he would be able to grade. But he knew that wasn't good enough. And so he said, Jesus, you need to heal my eyes. And so he went to the optometrist. And as he went to the optometrist, his eyes actually got better. In fact, when he got there and they, they took that little thing and they put the light in and looked in the back of, the, of his eyeballs, they were incredibly amazed. Because what they could see were nerves that were dead. But they could also see that new nerves began to grow in the back of his eyeballs. Now, the last time I went to go see the optometrist, I told her about the wonderful miracle because I believe in and that he will do these kind of dynamic miracles. So they ordered him a set of glasses, and when the glasses came, the glasses were too strong, and he went through three sets of glasses. Sometimes there are healings that are instantaneous, but sometimes there are healings that are progressive and actually take a while. But I want you to get this, and while there, there, to me it's, it, it resonates so deeply with me because it was such a dynamic, verifiable miracle that can take place in the human body, this scripture, this story that is found in Mark is not all about, and the main point is not about a blind guy who got his sight back. In fact, I think that I understand why it's so easy for us to put the, the, the great importance of the healing in our flesh, because if you've ever had any pain, if you've ever had any kind of sickness, you just want it gone. When we were gone last week, Clarissa developed a thing with her tooth, and she was in pain starting Sunday, and she was miserable, and everybody in the house was miserable by Wednesday, and she got a root canal on Thursday. And if you've ever been with that with your teeth, you're just going, Jesus, take me home. You ask questions, why haven't you healed it? And all these other things. Because there's a dynamic of comfort in our life. But this scripture is more about spiritual sight and insight than it is natural sight. That's the connect that I really want us to, to really kind of move on today. And it's simply this, is that the attainment of spiritual sight or insight is not automatic. Now, and the teacher and me, I, you know, if, if I was sitting out there, my first question would be, well, how do you get that from the scripture? Well, you get that from the scripture by taking a step back and looking at the entirety of the chapter up to in the next few verses after this story. Because what you find is that, that Mark is doing a, a, a really good part of writing to under, help us to understand what Jesus was doing with his disciples. It starts out in the first part of that uh, passage, it talks really about the feeding of the 4,000. Jesus said, we need to feed these people. What do we got? The only thing the disciples could see were the fish that they could see in their hands. And then they, uh, but of course we know Jesus saw something a little different. And then the scripture starts talking about the Pharisees wanting to see a sign. They wanted to see a miracle. They wanted to see Jesus do something that with their natural eyes they could see. Then they 
They get in the boat, and this, this is one of the comical things that I find about the disciples, knowing full well that I'd be right amongst them if I was there in the boat with them. They get in the boat, and they look around at each other and go, oh, shoot, we forgot to bring any bread ourselves. And Jesus said, oh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they go back to arguing about bread and what they're going to do. And then Jesus says these words. He says, do you not yet perceive or understand having no eyes, do you not see? Or having eyes, do you not see? And then you have the healing of the blind man. Then you just read the very short synopsis of Jesus saying to his disciples, who do men say that I am? In other words, what are they seeing and what are they saying as a conclusion of what they're seeing? And then in another passage, in this, this little discourse, we know that, uh, that when, G when Peter says, you are the Christ, Jesus says, that's only been revealed to you by the Spirit. And so it really has everything to do with an ability for us to be able to see to perceive, to understand. And I'm telling you, Jesus is far more concerned with his followers being able to see and perceive things in the Spirit than, they are, than he is with us having some form of fleshly healing. Not opposed to the fleshly healing, but if that's all that we're after, we're missing out on the dynamic of seeing what he wants us to see. We live in a culture that says, well, that is meant for the profession, professional, the person who has the profession as a minister, which is why in our culture, we just invite people to church because certainly you should be able to go see a paid man, be able to see something of God. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but again, when our, when our bar is set, I just want to get into heaven, that's a pretty low bar. What the world needs to see is not just one guy who has insight. The church needs to see, or the world needs to see a church with spiritual sight and insight. People who can rightly divide what is going on in the world today. That was kind of a good place to eat, man. So I'm thinking. Because we live, listen, we live in dark days. We live in times as it gets closer to the Lord's return that our ability to see is going to become more and more critical. It's almost like we need, we need the Lord to help us de to really develop and have, uh, you know, night vision, but have them be spiritual night vision goggles or glasses where you're, we can watch the news and we can discern that there's God's activity in that. I've talked about this before. Bill's at home just kind of recovering from some doctor stuff this week. But Bill's, Bill's really good at watching the news and going, oh, yeah, that's Jesus operating there. And that's Jesus. This week he said, you know, the Lord talked to us about, about Russia. And everybody's talking about the finances. But God's not saying anything there because, you know, he said this over here. So this is what we're going to focus in on. I just watch the news and get frustrated. So we all see things a little bit different. We see area in different areas. But to assume that our spiritual sight or insight comes naturally is a wrong assumption. I don't know about you, I don't, I don't adhere to the belief of evolution. I don't believe we started off as monkeys. I also don't believe that you automatically become 
a spiritual person that has great insight and great spiritual sight. Actually requires uh, something in us that allows us to see. And so I think as we kind of move through here, there's two dynamics that I want you to get. Maybe two sides of the same coin, but you may find yourself only on one side or maybe both. The first is, is that is our own personal sight or insight. How is our personal insight into the things of the Lord? But in, but when this in this sermon series of Jesus meets, there are people that we meet who don't have any kind of spiritual sight, or they may only see a spiritual sight that is like looking at uh, looking at trees, and they need someone who will help them. And I think the big part of this, this is where our life group leaders come in. You are, you're not only attempting to gain better sight for yourself, but you're leading others into a place of better sight or spiritual insight. So how do we get there? Well, let's kind of walk through the, the grow piece together this morning. The first, it really comes, it, it's, it's, a, it's a personal thing. We all have to practice it. That's where it starts. Starts with the practice. If you don't have a desire to have better spiritual insight, you're not going to go after it. Um, but when you start to have a desire and saying, hey, I want to see better. One of, the, one, of the thing, one of the people that are kind of in my circle that I've been really praying for uh, in the past has had good insight. But as they've gotten distracted by the things of this world, I've watched them turn away from looking for the things of the Lord and they're just latching onto the things of this world. And it grieves my heart. It, it saddens me greatly. And so I'm praying, Lord, you've got to put that desire back into them. You've got to, you've got to come and, and cause them to want to see your activity once again. But even with that desire, if you're not in God's word, you're not going to recognize it if it's right in front of your face. This is one of the critical reasons why being in the word of God at least five out of seven days of week, I don't think it's bad to be in there every day where you're, you're, you're in there not because you're preparing a sermon. Uh, this morning when I, when I first got up with all the things of life, I did the same thing I do every morning. That's I'm in God's word. Not for you, but for me. Because I have to have that insight. When Clarissa and I pray on our walks for our circle of influence, we pray for them, but we pray for us that we might have insight, that we might be able to see what his activity is. But it requires us first and foremost to recognize what is God's character, and what does that look like? So, I, so if, you, if you've got a Bible with you, just kind of to put it out in front of you, if you've got it in your phone or your app or whatever, what you see in here, you'll begin to recognize out here. Let me say it one more time. What you see in here, you begin to recognize out here. But if you're not in here, Jesus could be passing right in front of you, and you wouldn't even recognize it. One of the one of the things that you find about me really quick, but it's common in our, in our life groups is we're constantly going, what is God saying to you? What activity have you seen uh, in, in Christ this week? One of the beautiful things is, is where are you seeing God's activity in your circle of influence? The people that you're praying for causes you to look, saying, hey, God, what are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish? When, uh, and I, I, how, I, have you ever had anybody ask you, how do you know you've heard from the Lord? I think it's a good question for each of us. Here's what I hear most commonly. Oh, I never hear from the Lord. Okay, let me just tell you, because I, I, no one in this room right now 
coming to my mind when I say that statement, so I'm going to say this. If you're online, I'll apologize in advance. That's stupid. You cannot be a Christian without hearing God's voice. So to walk around claiming to everyone you don't hear God's voice is you still being blind. I hear God, someone asked me that question a number of years ago, and I just said, I just know. Rarely does God speak to me in sentences. It could be something as, as little as, you know, when, when our kids were younger, and I, I said to Clarissa, I know something's wrong. Let's pull them in and see. And they sat down and thought I was crazy. And I said, I don't know what's going on, but God said something to me. Something's going on. Just know it, I know it, I know it, I know it. And then the principal called. Or when I'm driving around and, and we're, we're recognizing that in our church in Arizona, we needed a bigger building, I'm going, Lord, we have no money, but we need, we need a better place to meet. And the Lord said, that's what I'm going to give you. Well, that's nice, Lord. It's owned by the Navajo County. Well, I'll go ask them for it. So I did. And over a period of time, they did. So how does the Lord talk to you? How do you, do you recognize when, when God is showing you something? I think these are questions that we, if we don't put into practice ourselves, we're never going to be able to meet someone who is blind and lead them to sight. And so I, years ago, I, I, for whatever reason, put this into practice when I was a fairly young Christian. I, God brought a picture, and this is just a few of them. Um, but those are all the th things I've written down about what God has said or been doing. Because, and I'm looking at the room, and, you know, this is the mostly older crowd now, so you know as well as I do, your memory starts to go. Yeah, boy, you amen that real easy, because right, I don't need practice with that. I forgot what I was getting from the kitchen to the bedroom. But, but do we practice this, this, this life where we actually write down what the activity is, of God is? And let me tell you something. I am a horrible journalist person. I'm, I'm the guy who, you know, I go to a, uh, some service and they, you know, I'm really feeling and sensing the Lord. And, and now it's time to, you know, you've got to start journaling again. And I do really good for about two weeks. And then I'm done until I know that I know that I know that I've heard the Lord's voice. Because there's a part of rich that will always try to manufacture. Because, you know, the, those little things, are, they're filled with some pretty good stuff. But I could tell you that it wasn't stage, it was the third one down, or fourth one down, that big black one, that, that binding, uh, is probably as bad as any of the oldest Bibles that I have. Because where certainly God talks in Scripture, and I recognize that this is who he is, I recognize it out here, and then I log it in there. And so when I'm feeling dry, when I'm feeling like God is distant, when I feel like I haven't heard his voice or recognize his activity because of whatever season I'm in, I have a place to go back outside of Scripture that is significantly more personal because it's happened to me. So we grow in that. 
But, there, but now I'm going to come back to the scripture a little bit because where, where, where we have a practice, there's also a process. And, and the process really is just a series of actions that Jesus did that I think is, is significant for us. Because what was brought to him was a person who is desirous to see. So now we've moved from getting to where we can learn to see ourselves, but now recognizing other people, people in our circle of influence, people in our, our life groups that have a desire and want to have spiritual sight or insight. And so literally the, Jesus recognized, okay, here's someone that I can work with. And so we always want to be asking the Lord, who is it that you want me to lead? so that they can see clearly. Now, I wish it was as simple as you're going you're gonna to lead them, they're going to see clearly in all things. Doesn't work that way. There are some areas that you tend to see clearer than others. But there are moments where there will be opportunity where you are like Jesus can take someone by the hand. So the scripture says, he takes him by the hand and he leads him. And so even to this day, I have people that I can reach to, and there are people that I am reaching to this way. So I'm constantly moving into greater insight myself, greater sight myself, but I want to lead others to a place of being able to see. But what's interesting is that you'll, you'll notice that in that scripture, it said that Jesus led him out of the village and away from the village. Bethsaida is a very interesting village because it is one of the places that, that Jesus kind of passed judgment on as just an unbelieving place. He said, he said if, if I had done the miracles here that I did there, they would have believed. Because it was, it was in that region of Bethsaida that Jesus fed the 5,000. It was actually three of his disciples came out of that village. But that village saw, they believed, but they never trusted. And my great concern is that, that Bethsaida is a lot like America today. We see a lot of the miracles of God, and we can, we can proclaim and we can talk about all the wonderful things that Lord has done. But when it comes right down to it, when someone's ready to actually receive sight, Jesus is going to lead them away. Because that which Jesus has given has not been stewarded well. And so Jesus says, come out of there. And so when we're leading people into, into spiritual sight or insight, it always requires them leaving something. And so even in ourselves, what are we willing to leave behind? What are we willing to walk away from? What is Jesus trying to take us by the hand and say, hey, maybe it's somebody in your, in your life group. Maybe your life group isn't formed to the place yet where you have a strong sense of accountability and love where somebody can look at you and say, what do you keep going back there for? That's just an unbelieving place. That's not good for you. Why are you spending 15 hours in front of Netflix? But what I, what's interesting in the scripture, and a lot of speculation, as Jesus takes the man, leads him out, and then spits in his eyes. I figured we'd do a healing service for eyes right after. I drink lots of water, and I'm ready to go. I've got no nasal drainage. You don't have anything to worry about. There really is no solid answer on why Jesus would spit in this guy's eyes. There are a couple things that they, they, they 
think they know. And scripture would be more negative towards spitting than positive. Early Roman writers, uh, they, they really wrote about the healing properties in spit. And yet, Jesus spit. Got to think that there, because, the, again, this miracle, Jesus wasn't just going, oh, here's a random guy that I'm going to heal. Jesus was making a point. He was helping us to understand that there is this process. And so well before the cross, I want you to get this, Jesus was giving a bit of himself in this place of transformation. You cannot lead somebody to sight or spiritual insight without giving something of yourself. And so, what is it that the Lord is saying, I want you to give? And then what you find is that he spit, and then he checked on him. I, I like these scriptures for all the, the I, I believe faith is a powerful form of our healing process, but in the word of faith movement, it's easy to get that out of balance. Uh, Jesus asked him, can you see? So you really move from a process to the recognize there's also a progress in all of this. And so Jesus says to him, can you see? This wasn't a lack of faith on Jesus's part. Jesus was checking progress. And when you are leading someone, and Aaron, go ahead and bring that next one up if you would. If, when, you are, uh, when you are leading someone into a place of spiritual sight or insight, it's good to stop and check on the progress. Comes back to the questions we ask all the time around here. What is God saying? What is God doing? Well, I don't know. Well, that's now we've got some progress. We know what we're working with. Or this is what I saw. Well, he's telling me to start praying for a new Mercedes. May not be the progress we're looking for. You may have the car part right, just the model might be off. But I think the other progress is, is Jesus didn't even begin to give of himself until he was out. He was out of that culture. And, and so Jesus, just like us, need to wake up, wait a minute, I can't really begin to really do the work about spiritual insight until they're willing to get out of the culture. And so the people that you're working with, then you can help them with that. But I think the other dynamic and the other thing they talk about about the spitting of the eyes is that, uh, that it could be that Jesus was meeting that man at the place of his faith. And this is important for us because we've really come out of a season where uh, the church culture is trying to get everybody to have their faith. You don't need my faith. You need your faith. And, and what I mean by that is, is not a belief, but it's a belief that moves into some action, some place of trust. And so your experience, your insight, your, your following is critical for you. So Jesus, if, if, if in fact the, the, the commentators are right about this, this being Jesus, it's kind of, hey, I'm going to do what you believe will make it better. And meeting that man where he was at gave him a level of sight. And if you would be willing to meet people where they were at, rather than expecting people to be where you were at, they could gain a level of sight. On, when I was in Washington with my parents' house, I, I, believe it or not, it was a nice day, so I went golfing. And I'm golfing with this guy, 
And the first four holes, this guy, he's a year younger than I am, and, and he does what so many people do. He just was letting me see all of his earthly achievements. He's been retired a few years, has a house in Ocean Shores where we were at. He has a house in San Padre Island, so he said he was a Texan. I'm not a Texan, nor did I believe he was a Texan because he grew up in the state of Washington. Told me about all the things they had done, and I just smiled and, you know. And then he asked me the question, what do you what do? Because do? that's what men ask, right? What do you do? And I kind of vacillated between going, I'm in the people business to, and I just said, the Lord says, tell me you're a pastor. I said, well, I'm a pastor. I knew it, he said. I knew you were a man of God. It's because I had played such a flawless golf game. Not. No. And he, so he says to me, he says, this is Washington State, a little bit like Colorado. He says, you know, I gave my heart to Jesus five years ago, and my wife and I have been going through some struggles because it's legal for us to smoke pot in here. Is it okay for me to get into heaven while I smoke pot? I said, absolutely. Do you have some? No. <laughs> I did. Not even close. But here's what the Lord did say to me. The Lord said, just meet him where he's at. He's just asking how good is good enough. And so I said to him, I said, well, there might be a question before that question. He goes, oh, I knew you'd say that. I said, well, how good is good enough? And from there, he began to tell me about every relationship problem he was having. And I was able to take him back right to the God of the universe wanting a relationship with him, the God of the universe wanting to know him. And then, well... I said goodbye. Because I had done what I needed to do, and it was time for me to let him go. Now get this. This is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus knew he was ready to see on his own. He said, go. Now, he didn't just say go. He said, don't go back to there. Don't go back and get blind again because you're entrenched in that culture. He didn't do that whole commentary that we know of. He said, don't go back into that village. But it's not all people are our responsibility to lead from beginning to end. But there are moments where we can take someone by the hand and lead them into spiritual sight. So let's talk about, really quickly, let's kind of just finish up here in the go piece. Because, um, you know, for us, when it comes to what do we do this week, how do we put this into practice, it starts with we've got to remember. Um, got to remember. What do we need to remember? Well, listen, you got to remember that effort's needed. This isn't going to happen easily. It's not going to happen overnight. Don't look for a quick win. Just look for the desire. And then when you find someone who has desire to see, reach out to them. Reach toward that need. But I think the other, the other part I would add in on this as well is that, you know, for us, you know, if, if you're not journaling the moments that God is doing something profound in your life where you can recognize this was God, start doing that. It gets you in the habit. gets you going, okay, I'm just going to get in the habit of seeing and recognizing what the Lord is doing. There is no better conversations to have than that. When we remember, we reach, and that's when we start to reach out to someone. Um, but I, I would add, 
that, um, that part of the reach is in that reaching towards someone is asking the question. I think that there are many of you today that the Lord wants you to make just one commitment this week. Just one. And the commitment is to simply ask one person the question, what is God doing in your life? Just one. And watch what God does when we reach with that kind of question. And then, when it's time, then you're going to release. I love the fact that I don't have to hold on to everybody forever. There are moments in life that you come close to someone to lead them, then you let them go. You come close, let them go. Come close, let them go. Come close, let them go. Sometimes that closeness lasts longer than others. But there comes a moment to let them go. But don't just let them go. The best that you can, the ability, direct them in it. Jesus said, don't go back there. When you walk with someone long enough, you begin to find where their distractions and where the enemy has a real easy ability to pull them down and to, to turn them away. And so give them direction. We live in a world where we got direction coming from every which way it's but Sunday. Our voice with people who have a desire to see spiritual things is critically important. So when someone gives you the opportunity to leave them, lead them, leverage it to redirect them in the future. Because here's the beautiful thing. When they begin to see, they'll begin to ask others to see what they're seeing. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to be people, when we meet the blind, to be able to lead them to clarity. Whatever the moment is or for a long season, Lord, you know. Uh, but Lord, I believe, Lord, that you are calling us in this season, in these, these, these dark days, uh, to really lead uh, people out of darkness into your glorious light, and then from there, from glory to glory to glory in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, I give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Now, if you, if, you, if, this, if you want, you go, hey, I really want to grow in my site, and I want some help to do that, because I've got some things that we're going to do to kind of help. Make sure you get a grow card, put it down here, put site on there somewhere. Make sure we have your, either your phone number or your email address. We'll connect with you. Um, or you're struggling going, hey, I've got people around me, but I don't know how to lead them into that site. Would you kind of just give little extra steps there? Make sure you fill one of these out and... Uh, uh, you can put it in one of the offering boxes when you're done. So before we close in prayer, let's go ahead and stand. And hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.